Welcome to It's All About the Question. To ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, my favorite part of the week, and I know I say that all the time, and I mean it every single week that I say it. I This is my favorite time of the week because I get to be here with you, my faithful listeners, either live on the air on iHeartRadio or through the podcast that you can get wherever podcasts are, are, are found, and I'm so excited about it, listened in uh, so many countries around the world grateful for all of you and I'm so grateful to my guests because I get so much out of listening and asking questions of all of my guests as some of you know who are regular listeners and if this is your first time listening welcome to the show for the first time but what my listeners know is that all of my guests come from a kid somehow, either through another guest I've had, somebody I've met along my own journey, and today's guest is no different. I've been trying to get her on the show for several years, but due to her corporate positions, that has never been able to happen. And she has now gone back to her days of her own company, and I was able to get her on the show. So, so excited to have Janet Shine on the show. So, Janet, thanks for being here, finally! I am so excited to be here. You're right, it's taken us forever to get this done, but what a great day to do it in a beautiful, sunny Florida. Excited to have our chat. Yeah, so am I. You know, we for my listeners, Janet and I met because we're both women in tech. I used to have a tech services company. I've spoken at a lot of tech events. Janet was um, a former C-suite Fortune 500 executive at Verizon, Motorola, Office Depot. She's, she's really known for helping clients increase revenues by more than 40%. She is big in the marketing, visionary leadership area. And, and Jenna, I mean, there's so much I can ask you about everything that you do. You've got an amazing family. I love your husband, Roy. He's just awesome. I like him, too. It's a good thing, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> how, how long have you guys been married now? 13 years. He's the second husband, so I got it right the second time, and he's amazing. And, and how did you guys meet? So we actually met in the industry. So one of our friends um, for years was trying to introduce me to this wonderful woman named Sarah Pittman. She kept saying, you have to meet this guy. He's, he's everything. I think he's perfect for you. And I kept saying, no way. And then lo and behold, I was at an industry event and this wonderful man came up and started talking with me. And after he walked away, Sarah ran over to me and said, that's the guy. Um, so she was absolutely right, and uh, no looking back from there. We've been married 13 years, and we also have started our own business together, which Roy has been running. And as you mentioned, I've uh, come back into the Jet Group. So we're, you know, not only soulmates, but also workmates. So that's always fun, and of course, has its set of challenges. Yeah, it definitely has its challenges, but when it's done well, when there's communication, it's a true partnership at all levels, isn't it? It really is, and, and, you know, he can complete my sentences, and that really is good because sometimes I do just trail off in the middle of a thought and pop onto something else, so it's good that he can read my mind. So I think it's it's all good. It's a great, great feeling. Now, you've achieved some of the highest levels of tech businesses of virtually any woman, and there's always this big discussion about there aren't enough women at the top in any industry, but especially in technology. I, I agree and I don't agree, but 
do you believe in the glass ceiling? You know, it's funny. I cracked the glass ceiling a couple of times now, so it's harder for me personally to say I believe in the glass ceiling. However, um, looking at the statistics, looking at the lack of progress in women getting to the C-suite, you can't help but notice that there are not still enough women in the C-suite. And so I do think there's a glass ceiling, but I would opine that perhaps it's put there by the very women that are trying to get to the top. Now, I know some women will be listening to this and thinking, that's not true. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. But while it's frustrating, I don't think, you know, that it's truly something that we can't get through. I meet women all of the time who have backed through that glass ceiling or have chosen not to. And I do think that's the other side of it. I think that there's a fair amount of women that choose not to make the um, sacrifices and, and rest assured whether you're male or female there are sacrifices involved in getting to the C-suite and so I think it's really time for women to um, stop talking about the glass ceiling and instead talk about how they're going to make their career plan and then execute on that plan to get there if they want to or if they don't want to to be okay with that and accept that and have a career path that's different. I was on a panel at an ISACA conference a couple of years ago with some truly amazing women. I mean, there was a moment I went, I'm on this panel? And then I went, yeah, I'm on this panel, you know, getting rid of that imposter syndrome thing. But I had this moment of going, wow, how did I make it onto this panel? And then I realized I was. And they asked, the moderator asked the question, is there a glass ceiling? And every single woman there, even at the levels they were at, said there was a glass ceiling. And then it got to me, and they were just going to pass the mic past me because they wanted to move on to the next question. And I grabbed it, and I went, you know, I really don't believe there is. I think it's all a limiting belief that we've given ourselves. Because if people, any individual really, truly wants something and has the abilities to get there, then they don't think of a barrier. They just go, this is how I'm going to get there. And if there's walls that go up that that prevent it, you figure out a way around it or, you know, you exit that company and go to another company and build up to that level. So you just you just nailed it. I talk to so many women who tell me that there's a glass ceiling in the firm that they're in. And when I say to them, well, then it's time for you to leave that firm and find one that will get you ahead. There's that comfort level. There's that not wanting to take the next step and not wanting to get through the glass ceiling. So I I do think that it is hard to leave what you know and go somewhere new in pursuit of your career. And it's often not encouraged by those around you. Um, Stick in there, talk to your boss again. Ooh, it's a good company. You don't want to leave that company just because you didn't get promoted this year. You know, all these things that either our friends and family tell us or we tell ourselves when we look in the mirror, I won't be good enough. Um, There's no way. It's me. It's not them. Um, it's them. That's what I'm here to say. It's them. If you want to get ahead and you have the skills and the talent and you're not getting ahead, then it, it's really, it's you. And you need to make your changes and you need to get out there and do it. Conversely, though, I will say, talking and, and going to events, and, and by the way, I completely believe you should be on that panel because you're a rock star. <laughs> Thanks, Talking Jenna. to other, well, it's the truth, talking to other women what the other thing I hear, though, and this is very true, it is all who you know. And there is a lot of the glass ceiling that happens because it is, as you get further and further to the top, more of a referral network, more of a who you know and who knows you. And if your name isn't in the hunt, if you don't have people sitting around the table saying, hey, you know, what about Laura? What about Janet? Then you don't get to the next level. And I do find that women often don't 
advocate for themselves or help to promote themselves and, and are okay kind of toiling in the shadows. And so their names don't get brought up. I don't know how you uh, feel about that level of self-promotion, but I do find that many of the women that complain about the glass ceiling also are uncomfortable with self-promotion. I, I agree with you a, a thousand percent, Janet, because one of the things that I've seen with a lot of women and even some of the men and my clients and stuff is especially with the women they're more prone to promote somebody else and talk about how good somebody else is versus themselves so their personal branding isn't very good to build that notice in the world here's what i'm known for but they're really great at telling how great everybody else is that is so true and it's so funny as i work with clients, uh, particularly female clients, but, but I, I see it with male clients too. This concept that you would have a career plan, a path, goals, aspiration, and a personal brand, and that you would take that personal brand and you would find the right super connector introductions because it is who you know after all, and that you would go out and that you would purposely promote yourself or help, help others promote you is very foreign to people. And in fact, um, announcing it here on your show, first time ever, I've been asked a hundred times, what, you know, what am I going to do now that I'm a JF group for it? And I am launching a program called Career Smarts, and it will feature all of those things, really a one-on-one consult for women who are looking to get to the C-suite, um, then some expert consultation with myself and some other really great advisors, their CV, their personal brand, the super connector introductions they need, and then, you know, hoping that I can get you to work with some of them on your 100-day program. I'd be honored. There you go. So uh, the answer is yes, we are going to do that, and we're, you know, excited to help women get through, and and I truly think that this next generation of females that are out there are friends, the people that we know have earned the right to get to the C-suite, and I think it's up to us to help them get there. I love that program. That is so brilliant and so needed, whether you're a man or a woman, but especially if you're a woman trying to get to the C-suite, this whole idea of personal brand. And Janet, you've been really brilliant at it throughout your entire career of building this brand around who you are. I I just, for the heck of it, hadn't done this in, in years. I Googled your name. I was just curious what would come up now. And there's just pages of stuff about you when you were at Verizon, when you were at Motorola, especially now because you were at Office Depot, you rose through the ranks so quickly to help them achieve something they were trying to leave. And then you left to go back to work, you and your husband with the company that you guys created, JS Group. It's interesting that every single article that was written about you leaving Office Depot was all about what's Janet going to do next? <laughs> there was none of this, you know, the typical uh, gossipy whatever. Every single tech industry, trade magazine, blogger, everybody that wrote about you, they're like, we can't wait to see what Janet is going to do next. Why, why is that? How did you build that? That, you know, first of all, I'm so blessed, right, to have such good friends, yourself included, that are so supportive. But I think it comes down to, and I, I have this little program I run with myself, so I think that's why. And so um, here's what happened. I guess it was about 10 years ago. 
I was speaking at an event and social media was just kind of starting to come to the forefront. And there was this um, uh, young woman there and she said, I want to reverse mentor you. And I said, well, this is an interesting cause. I've never heard this before. Um, and she said, you know, I really want to help you get on social media and begin to brand yourself because while everybody in this little world that you're in knows you, I think more people should know about you and, and you should have a broader footprint. And so I worked with her uh, for a couple years. Um, she actually was at Verizon. And she, uh, this woman, Dee, she's just fantastic. And she's still at Verizon, by the way. And she, she kind of just said, she opened my eyes and said, what if you stood for something? And then um, this other female, Lauren Tilstra uh, from Verizon, really kicked in and said, we're going to help you uh, build this brand because we think it's good for you. We also know that it's good for Verizon. But the thing that I brought to it, which was why they always believed I was successful, was I have this little program I've run with myself forever. And it's on New Year's Day. I write down the top 100 people that I believe that year I need to either establish or keep a relationship with. And this is business only. I'm, you know, I've got my personal connections. Because what I noticed was connections are like currency. They're, they're really valuable. So if you met somebody at a big event and they would be somebody who could be a super connector for you, influential for you, so many people meet them, have a conversation with them, get the card. Maybe they talk to them one other time. And then five years later they think, you know what, I should call that person for some help. Well, that's, first of all, you know, disingenuous. And second of all, you don't have any connection with that person. And so what I do is I really look back through my year and say, who are the people I met? How am I going to keep in touch with them? And I make sure I keep in touch with people on a consistent basis. I also am a firm believer if you send me a note, you ask me for help, I'm going to find a way to help you. And that turns around when I need people's help. So, my Super Connector 100, as I named my January 1st little process, has really um, kept me from throwing away great contacts. And what I tell people when I talk through the process in more detail is if I handed you a $100 bill, you would not throw it in a drawer and never look at it again. Absolutely that, not. <laughs> right? That would be stupid. Yet, you will get a business card from somebody who could be influential or know someone you know or that you could help or that could help you, and you'll throw it in the drawer and forget about it. So I believe every business card, every connection is worth at least $100, and I treat it that way, and that's why I believe when I have times of uh, need of promotion that that network comes back to help. What are some questions you ask yourself when you're putting together that Super Connector 100 list? Well, the first one is I don't want to be connected or friendly with anybody who's a jerk. <laughs> that's a good so, call. Yeah, it's just, you know what, and I just, you know it and I know it, there are those people, there's other names you can call them, but we're on radio, um, and so I don't like to, I don't want to be connected with someone no matter how influential or interesting they are if they're not a good person, so I sort there first. If they're not someone I would enjoy grabbing a cup of coffee with or sitting down to a meal with, if I wouldn't introduce them to my dad, you know, or my kids or my husband, then no, they're off the list. Um, the second thing I do is really think about, can I help that person? Because if the whole motivation is that they can help me, that generally is not going to work as a great, strong connection. So how can I help that person? When I meet someone, you'll notice me doing it. I'll either jot it down in, uh, on my phone in notes or directly on a card. They gave me how I think I can help them, who's a person I could connect them with, what's a, a, something simple I could do for them. So if there was nothing on the card or nothing in my notes, the cards also go away. Um, and then, you know, I just really look at, 
where do I think we can make the connection? And so um, it's funny, three years ago, uh, I gave a keynote speech in a panel uh, situation in Washington, D.C. Uh, Jay Farrow was there, who's the CIO, was the CIO of the American Cancer Society, is now the CIO of QuickRead. Uh, Dustin Wan was there, who's the CEO of Mobotor. Um, and John Nasta was there, who's the head of the Nasta Health Lab. And all three of them are now dear personal friends of mine, even though we only met that one time. So I think that goes to show that if you make an initial connection and you keep the connection and you help each other, you really can become um, very close with people. And you and I are another similar situation. We've met, met many times in the industry, but we've managed to keep in touch and, and help each other through the years, and that's what makes all the difference. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's about providing value. I can't tell – it's my biggest pet peeve, uh, and let me know if this is yours too, is you're at an event – and somebody comes up to you and they immediately go, hi, um, I need this. They, they don't even attempt to figure out anything about you. They've targeted you as somebody that can help them, but they don't even try to get to know you or anything. <laughs> I'm laughing because it also happens on LinkedIn. It does. <laughs> Every email I get lately, every uh, email I get uh, on LinkedIn is somebody going, you know, not anything about you, right? Just, hey, can you buy this or, or I want to provide this. And, and I get it, right? I, I get that there's the need to make commerce, but there's better ways to do that than coming across as, you know, a, a vendor in the hall versus a partner in the boardroom. Um, and, and I really think that's where people make the mistake in this whole, this whole concept of connectivity is thinking first about, what you can do for others, not what they can do for you. And I, and I find that then others come back and offer to do things for you. And, and that's an important distinction between super connectors, which I believe you are, and people that have a difficult time connecting. The other thing I notice, and you're at trade shows with me too, people talk to the same people they've met a hundred other times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it drives me nuts. It's like, can I introduce you to somebody new? I keep seeing you all the time talking to these same people. <laughs> yeah, just walk up to somebody and go, hi, I don't know who you are. You know, that's what I do. I don't know who you are. Who are you? Um, and I, I find I feel bad for the people who don't know enough people at the event, uh, but I also feel bad for the people that wasted their or their company's money going to the event only to talk to the very same people they already knew. I spoke, I did a keynote at an author event after my book came out and you know one of the things that they asked me to do as the opening keynote is to help people navigate the conference and I knew that the biggest issue most of these people had was they were afraid to walk up to the agents in the room or the publishers or the editors or, or the marketing guys. Any, they were afraid to walk up to them. So from the stage I said to them, okay, I want everybody in the room to go to somebody they've never met and ask them this one question. And I said, Jenna, I want you to do this to agents and publishers and whatever and say to them, hey, is there some question that nobody's ever asked you that you wish they had asked you? I love that. And I said, and you can walk up to them and say, Laura told me I'm supposed to ask you this question. <laughs> and the whole place went nuts. And they said it was one of the best events ever because they made more connections. In the room. That's right. That's right. And I think that's a great question. And boy, now my mind is racing with all the questions that people have never asked, right? So um, that, that's, that's a great way to think about it. And I think 
when I look and take it back to this concept of women and women trying to get ahead and women uh, battering the glass ceiling, think of the wasted connections at events like that that you didn't make that could help you in your journey. People that, once you get to know them, could be credible references, could um, potentially have an opening or think about an opening for you. Be a loud voice in the room for when you're, you know, being considered in your current firm for promotion or just be there to coach you or guide you when you're thinking about setting out on your own or going to a new company and you're just squandering those uh, connections. So that's where I think women actually do have a little bit of a disadvantage over men, particularly in the tech industry. It's a little harder for them. Um, to make and keep those connections. But I do think that if you make a plan, like I do every year, and say these are the 100 people, you will make the connection with at least a percentage of the 100 people. If you make no plan, you'll make zero connection with those 100 people. That's just how life works. And and your plan with this 100 people, do you write out what you are hoping to build a relationship around that person with, or it's just you want to connect to them not knowing where that may go? It depends on the person. Sometimes if I've had a good conversation, I have a great idea of where I want to make the connection. Sometimes I don't. Um, And then the other thing I do, which my husband Roy thinks is absolutely entertaining, is I never drive alone. So most people listen to the radio when they're driving in the car. Uh, I use the hands-free safe driving first. And I call one of those 100 people. So if I'm commuting to work, when I was going off a depot, about a 20-minute commute, I was dialing in the morning, dialing at night. I call people. I keep in touch with people uh, way outside that 100 because, as you can imagine, out of that 100, maybe 20 of them will become good connections. And so then they're connections I want to keep in touch with. And uh, at last count, when I tried to estimate it, I talked to at least 1,000 people a quarter. That's, an, that's awesome. And, you yeah. know, 1% of those may at some point lead to something bigger, but you never know where where a connection is going to go or, or how something may come together because of a conversation that you had. That's right. And, and I learn from everybody because it's great. I can, you know, sort through, and I, I, you know, LinkedIn is a good tool for that. I'll sort through, let's say I'm, I'm trying to learn more, and, and, and right now I am trying to knit together blockchain outside of cryptocurrency um, into the go-to-market for people that are doing things like supply chain uh, and coupling it with IoT to make chain of custody solutions, etc. So now I want to learn a little bit more about how are people knitting together which blockchain uh, platforms, applications, etc. And now I can sort my list on who knows anything about blockchain and pick up the phone and make a call. Now the preeminent, you know, geek of all geeks is Josh Klein, right? So Josh is, if you've not known him or listened to him or heard him, he's just a phenomenal uh, technologist um, and true geek. And, you know, I'll pick up the phone and and give a call to him and he and I will just geek out for an hour on, on what we're seeing. So it may not be that the person necessarily gets you in your next job or your career, but are they there for you when you have a question, most particularly a dumb question to ask? Is, are they a trusted enough advisor that when you have a dumb question or they have a dumb question, you're both comfortable calling each other? I love that. My guest last week was Ken Heron. He's uh, the number four CMO on Twitter worldwide. And... I just love any conversations and sometimes I'll just shoot him a note and he'll go, no, that's not a dumb question. And he'll, he'll make me just feel much better or connect me to somebody else. And he just, he's one, he's that person for me, like Josh is for you. 
it's amazing, right? And that connection means everything in the world, I yeah. think, to getting ahead because you've got the right trusted people that you can talk to. Right, who will give you the right questions when you need them. So we're about to head into the national news break. I am here with Janet Shine, CEO of JAS Group. And, you know, we're going to be talking some more about how you can grow your brand and just market. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half of the show because you're listening to me live on the air in your car, at your home, or on the iHeartRadio app, you missed an amazing first half. I'm here with my my dear friend and amazing, amazing woman, uh, Janet Shines. She is the CEO of JS Group, and she shared something amazing that her company is developing to help women really hit the highest levels of their careers and I'm, I'm so excited about that Janet it's absolutely brilliant what you got what your guys are planning and doing to help lift women up thank you so much I think it's time for women to take control of their own career and I want to work with them on it and make sure that they meet the right people and have the right connections and get where they want to get this year you know during the national news break for those on the podcast, you don't have to take the break for the national news. You just went right into it. But Janet and I, my guests, we always have a chance to talk <laughs> offline while you guys are listening to national news live. We were talking about this whole concept of a lot of women and even some men too, but not as much with men that I've seen. They don't seem to connect to the right people on a regular basis to help lift them up and believe in themselves. And, and why so do you true. think that is? You know, it's funny. I, I do believe, and, and I agree with you, while there's some men that do that, it's more women, and I think it's tied into just the psyche of all of us. I, I know um, many, many women, if I take it to a personal level, who are just beautiful and yet who will consistently complain about their body image or how they look in something or, or worry that, they're, um, that they don't look as well. And I think that that translates further into that negative self-speak um, that we talk to ourselves about in the mirror or in the car or whenever we make a very small mistake that we blow up into a big mistake. I think the, the negativity, the, the self-talk negativity keeps women from believing that they can be good enough uh, to lift themselves up. And I know my, my biggest promoter is my husband, Roy, and he will constantly say to me, you're better than you think you are. You're, be- you know, you're better than you're willing to believe you are. And over time, he's really lifted me up to believe in myself. And I think making those connections beyond your family and friends that believe in you, that are willing to lift you up, that will encourage you when times are dark or you know, spur you on when times are light, that, that's a key reason to have the right connections on a consistent basis. Now, you created on Facebook this amazing Facebook group for women in tech called Tech World Half. What drove you to create that? Because one of the things that I've noticed with the posts that women put, you've basically, through this Facebook group, created a place where women can can vent, can share their experiences, can ask for help, and really get this amazing support. So it's an interesting, I hope, to the listener's story. So I was at an event, um, a Women in Channel event in New York City. That's an annual event that happens in December, a great event. And I spoke we at it once. <laughs> well, I know you did, and so have I. It's a fabulous event. And so um, we were talking about this Forbes study that had come out that said that women were departing uh, their jobs and business at an alarming rate versus men. Um, and particularly when they dug down to the tech industry, the flight of women from the tech industry was, I believe it was 4X that of men. And so 
that evening we were talking about that and we went into some of the reasons why. And one of the reasons was that when a man says, and by the way, I'm generalizing here, not everybody. Right, absolutely. But most, but when most men say, I hate my job, or my boss is a jerk, or I'm not getting ahead, uh, their male uh, counterparts or female counterparts encourage them to stick with their career. Hey, you should get a new job. They don't deserve you. You should talk to your boss. You should talk to your boss's boss. You should apply for something new, double down, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. When women voice the exact same concern, their entire social network gets very nervous for them in a very different way. Are you okay? You know, you could just stay home with the kids. Maybe you should get something local. Have you thought about just getting out of that industry? It seems hard to be a woman there. And so they're actually encouraged by their very own network to drop out. They're, they're treated differently in their moment of career passion. So many women had learned to just shut up. Don't tell people. Because they'll tell me stuff that start to encourage me that I should drop out. And listening to the conversation, I said, that's ridiculous. I'm going to start a Facebook group. We'll make it private. You can moan and gripe, and we will help you. And if your uh, job isn't a good one, we'll help you get a different one. And a couple women sitting around the table, uh, Rakia Jones, uh, who's now at Microsoft, um, uh, Quinny um, uh, Wong, who's at Verizon, and a few other ladies all said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we, we do that. All right, let's just do it. So we signed up this Facebook group, and we thought if we had 100 or so women in it, we'd be doing pretty good. Um, and we now, two and a half years later, have thousands of women. You're in the community, so you see we are helping women stay in their jobs. We're helping women get new jobs. Uh, we've placed, uh, last year, just based on my count, we placed over 100 different women in different jobs um, because they were frustrated where they were, and we've helped countless others just find a better way where they are. And so that's what Tech World Half is. And if anybody's listening who's not a member, I'd encourage you to ask to join Tech World Half on Facebook or connect with me personally on Facebook, and I'll invite you in. Well, what is interesting for me in the group is some of the questions that come up are leadership questions or how do I handle with a boss who is this way? Or, you know, we've had several people share situations where they've had their own Me Too moments in work. I've shared my own in there and how you react to them or not. And it's really funny because I was with some people a few weeks ago who remember that Me Too moment when I got groped in an elevator in Vegas by uh, a fellow, a peer of mine. He was married and he goes, and he grabs my breasts in this elevator and he goes, come on, (laughs) let's have fun. And I'm like, you know, uh, you're married and no, nobody gave you a right to do it. And he goes, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I'm like, well, it's not going to stay in Vegas. I'm telling you that right now. And I got to my room feeling a little worried about it, you know, but I got to my room and I immediately made a phone call to the head of the event and told them what happened and then told the guys the next morning from uh we all had dinner and had a little all of us had a little bit too much to drink but that's still no excuse and i told them what happened and it was like the swarm of big brothers <laughs> just yeah. literally descended on this guy and and the event people descended on him the head of this thing and said you ever do that again you are you are done you are done here. That's unacceptable behavior. And the guy ended up apologizing to me because that was, they were told he was told he needed to do that. But not every woman feels safe doing that. And I love that in Tech World's half, people can talk about it. Women can talk about it. And the advice that happens in that group is supportive. 
It's not it, that it doesn't matter. It's, okay, here's some things you need to be thinking about. Here are some things you need to do. Not bury it. And we've had members fly out to go to each other, call each other on phones, meet with each other when, when a situation was bad. Um, and we actually have folks in there that are in HR that have come to me and said, God bless you for doing this because so often women don't have somewhere to go talk about it with. And, and their reaction many times is, once again, back to the, the core problem, drop out. Just leave. Right? I'm uncomfortable, so I'll leave. Um, and or they stay and buck up. What, or stay and buck up, which is, you know, both are equally damaging. So um, it's really been a great group. I think the thing that most inspires me is the fact that we are just a group of women trying to help another group of women. And in any given day, any one of us needs help. So there's no levels there. We have some uh, very, very high-level participants in that group uh, in the C-suite and companies or uh, entrepreneurs like yourself that have been very successful. And yet there's no level there from the most junior um, uh, woman, you know, who's brand new to the community to somebody who's been at it for 30 years and is highly successful. When there's a problem or the need for something, there's no level. One of the things that people say about you often, Janet, is how well you put teams together. And you've had positions, uh, Verizon, you were um, VP of Global, Global. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember your exact title there, but you know, you were responsible for a global effort for Verizon, where you yeah. had people all over the world, you're trying to do all of this stuff. And, you know, you put this great team together now with Tech World's half and at every position you've had, at every corporate job you've ever had. What advice would you give and what questions should people be asking around, you know, the globalness of business now and how to put a team together? Yeah, it's a great thing. And, and somebody uh, once told me, actually, I inherited a team uh, uh, in my career in one of the big companies. I won't name which one, so um, I'm discreet. But I inherited a team, and uh, a year later, I had turned out, you know, a couple of my direct reports. But the, the majority of them were still there. And one of the um, uh, very, very high-level executives at the company said to me, I, I don't understand what's happened to your team because they were awful, and now they're good. And I said they were never awful. They were, they were led by someone awful. And so often I find that there are great people who either because they've been in the company for a long time or um, they've been with the wrong leaders, they get the wrong reputation. And so the first thing I do whenever I'm building a team, and typically you inherit you know, part of your team, um, I really take a fresh look with fresh eyes and don't look at anybody else's beliefs about that person, um, give them short, bursty type kinds of assignments to see what their true skills are, and then spend a lot of time with them truly understanding what their goals are and what their passions are. And so because of that process, I've had people that have opted out and said, hey, I know this is not going to be for me. Can you uh, help me get somewhere else? And people that have blossomed and become uh, super A-level talent. I had a a young woman who worked for me in uh, one of the firms I went to who by the third week I was there, I said, why did you hire me? You had me uh, in this person. And, oh, well, you know, she doesn't communicate well. Oh, okay. Helped her communicate, uh, and now she's an SVP. So these are the things that I think if you want to build a great team, it's all about. And then I use a very simplistic approach, which is then I grid my team or the people I'm interviewing 
into a four quad and the uh, x-axis is willing uh, you know from unwilling to totally willing and then able uh, you know unable to able and I grid them out and I look for people who are both willing and able or willing and unable but it's only a skills issue so that I can train them into the skills if you're not willing to take the journey no matter how skilled you are no matter how many years on your CV or resume it says you have experience, you're not you're not for a Janet Shine's team because I'll take somebody who's willing and wants it and hungry over somebody who's got uh, decades of experience in it who's unwilling any day of the week. How do you determine if something somebody's willing or unwilling? Because a lot of people can pretend that. Yeah, and they can. So it depends on the. Um, you know, it's interesting. It depends on the level of the team, obviously. Um, but one of the things that I uh, do is I do use a psychometric profiling test. So I have people take those. That tends to uncover some things. But then most importantly, um, most people ask for references, right? So I want your references. Now, only an idiot would give you somebody who was going to be a bad reference. So isn't that great? People give you a page of references of people that like them, and you call them, and those are they have great references. You I had somebody give me a bad reference once. They, they, I was hiring, and they gave me a reference, and I called the person, and they're like, why would this person use me as a reference? <laughs> That's shocking, because generally people socially engineer those to be successful. Right, right, exactly. So what I do when I'm looking for willing is I actually don't do that. Um, I actually go out to the social network and I see who we're connected with and I call those people or reach out to those people and say, hey, you know, what do you think of this person's enthusiasm level? Uh, Are they someone you would call uh, if you had a problem? Are they someone that you regularly communicate with? And you start to get, you start to see something in people because you get the people who no matter who you reach out to go, oh my gosh, Laura, she's amazing. If I call her, she's there for me, she's active, she's, you know, she's posting, she has knowledge. Um, and then other people, you go, I don't know, I think I met him at an event a couple years ago, I haven't talked to him since. And that tells me a lot about the person's willingness. And then the final thing, which is something um, you're excellent at, is, you know, how often do they have a voice? Are they out there? Are they in a social media platform adding value? Um, are they out there having an opinion? Are they out speaking at events? Are they contributing content? Are they contributing thoughts? Because if they're not, they're demonstrating right there an unwillingness to be engaged in their own industry. And, and I always feel that I'm not doing enough. I used to write way more blog posts, and I got away from that. And I, I now have a wall of post-it notes of ideas to write for blog posts. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> but, me too. Uh, but we're still, I bet you we still pass my willing uh, scale. Yeah, thank you. I, I, do, I do appreciate that. So let's talk about social media a bit. Yeah. Because I think it's so critical, not, not just for women or men. It, it's a universal thing. Social media has completely changed the way we market, the way we brand, the way we communicate who we are as people. What advice, what questions do you have for people who are trying to grow either as entrepreneurs in corporate life, some people that maybe are just starting out in a business career for how to use their social media? Well, the first thing I would say is it's a science, not an art. So people believe it's an art. And I suppose if you're some famous celebrity, it probably could be art for you. Um, But it's a science and it's a science like anything else. And I I remember, uh, 
I was just talking to my friend Chris Palermo uh, from GCN about this the other day. Uh, he used to have this 50-point uh, rule where he had to earn 50 points every day by making phone calls or appointments when he first started in sales. And social media is the same way. If you don't have a science around your social media, if you're just kind of popping on and commenting on some stuff and hoping that people follow you and like you, then you're not going to succeed and you're going to be frustrated. So it's really about deciding what platforms are important for you. So for myself, it's women um, uh, in business and technology. And the matter platform is really around uh, how do people use innovations to go to market and capture new customers. So I'm not all about the gearhead. I'm about the how do you go out and have a customer experience or acquire customers with technology. And so you have to follow the people that are experts at that. You have to contribute content to that conversation, even if it's a, you know, like button and a tell me more. And you have to really get connections who are going to help you to become an expert or a perceived commentary uh, expert in those areas. And so what I do is I have every uh, Monday morning, I have a whole um, list of exactly what I'm going to do in social media that week. I've pre-planned my content, my pictures, um, who I'm going to tag, who I'm going to reach out to. Um, I, for Twitter, I post that in TweetDeck. Um, for LinkedIn, I schedule uh, my posts and articles during the week. Uh, for Facebook, same thing. And I just follow the science of the plan. And in total, amongst the three platforms, I have about 50,000 connections. So I think I'm doing okay with that process. But I would tell you it is not something that you take lightheartedly. I truly believe it's a science. And if you put it together like a plan, like any other plan, you will be very successful at it. How much time do you spend planning and actually doing social media? So about an hour to an hour and a half planning. And then I start my day and end my day with social media. And I take a social media lunch break. So uh, in any given day, about another hour. It doesn't take a whole lot of time if you follow the right people, if you use the right applications. I love TweetDeck. Um, if you do that, it doesn't take that much time. Now, the one thing I am excluding from that answer is, of course, I have friends. Facebook is really where I use to connect with my friends. Um, and so, of course, there's that, you know, looking and seeing what your friends are doing and keeping in touch with people that you haven't talked to, and I, I don't count that in. But I believe it's important, and I believe it's replaced um, what we used to do to prospects for business or uh, network, quote unquote. And so I, pay, I treated it seriously as I would have treated that in the past, and that was always something I dedicated a lot of time to. Do you ever take tech breaks? I do. So I take a tech break uh, every weekend. I do not go on anything uh, typically on Saturday and Sunday until Sunday night. Uh, it can depend, though, if the weather's bad, right? Sometimes I will. Um, and, and then I do go on vacation once a year up to Maine where they have no cell reception, which is fabulous. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Um, yes. I take a satellite phone for family emergencies, and uh, it's, thank gosh, uh, only one once in the, the years I've done it. And so I, uh, you know, I, I really think you do need to take a tech break. And I also think you need to take a social media break from the standpoint that most people only post good news on social media, and it can be a little discouraging if you're going through a tough time to compare yourself to those other people. So that's when I think it's better to get in the real world because you'll hear people truly do have problems just like your own. Yeah, I know that when I was going through the worst of it when mom was alive and then after she passed, I struggled with social media. I just couldn't even read it. 
uh, yeah. it, it was just impossible for me. It just made me depressed. And, and I knew, because I've taught people this, I knew that people are sharing the good stuff, but I still, it subliminally just got into my brain. I know. It's a hard thing. It's truly a hard thing. when, uh, when And then that's where Tech World Tap is so great, right? Because a lot of those posts are not too, totally uh, positive. And so I think it's good. it's good that you see other people are struggling. Yeah, I think it is very important to understand that, you know, what you think maybe somebody's step one may be their step 50. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to make sure, because we're we're towards the end of the show, that you share how people can reach out to you, Janet, and um, also about the wonderful new work that you're creating with the Career Source to help people get through that. Why don't you share how they can find you? Absolutely. So a couple quick ways to learn more about JS Group and what we do for go-to-market and business planning and channel development, please visit www.jsgnow.com and you'll see all the information there. If you'd like to speak to me directly, the most efficient way to do that is to send me uh, a DM in Twitter and I'm at ChannelSmart. If you're not, of course, on that platform and want to use Facebook, I'm Janet Shines uh, at Facebook, and Shines is spelled S-C-H-I-J-N-S. So those are all the great ways to reach out to me. I'd love to hear from uh, the listeners and hear any and all questions. All right, let's uh, close out. We've got a couple minutes left. Last thought that you'd really like to leave with my listeners. My kids are fine. It's the question you made me think. You said, is there some question no one ever asks you Do you wish you'd asked? And I've only had a few people ask me in private moments um, at events to say, what about your kids? Are they okay? You've you know, risen to the top. You've had this huge C-suite career. You've owned your own and now own your own business. But you also have two kids. So do they resent you? Um, you know, are they uh, in prison or anything? Uh, so I'm here to say that no, neither of my kids are uh, in prison or have addictions or, or any of those horrible things that uh, sadly people have to deal with. They both have always been very supportive of my career. I've been careful with work-life balance, and we can have a whole other conversation yeah, about that. But I would say that my daughter said something to me. Um, my daughter, Ashlyn, is actually I just finished her MBA and is an adjunct professor at her local community college. And she said to me, uh, she was talking to me about a problem at work. She said, I feel so sorry for all the girls I grew up with whose moms didn't work because I don't know now who they call for advice. Um, and what do they talk to their moms about now? So I thought that was just truly powerful. Um, and then the next day I was telling uh, my son, and he said, yeah, of course she feels that way. And by the way, he's an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, but tells me that he much preferred when he was uh, uh, in corporate America having a female boss over a male boss because he thought that they were stronger. So um, I think overall, sure, there was the struggles and the things I had to miss, but overall I would say two strong adult kids who do not resent mom's career um, and who have a very positive outlook on women uh, working and being uh, in the industry and successful. So uh, that's the question nobody ever asks and I know is on women's minds when they think, should I really go for it and bash it through that glass ceiling? And it's not a question that anybody would ever ask a man. Never. By the way, I've never heard somebody say, how do you handle that? I was asked my whole career, wow, you have two kids, how do you handle that? And the guy sitting next to me would say he had three kids, and people would go, oh, that's nice, do they play sports? Yeah, and I often get asked the question, you've never had kids, how come? Oh, also not a question you would ask. Right, it, it's just, yeah. you know, I, I never, it just never happened, 
and I'm fine with it. You know, there are moments where I wish I had because I would have given my mom grandkids. And, and now Aww. that I'm not married and I have no children, it's sort of like, okay, well, my friends are my family. But you go, oh, I'm alone, you know. But it's, it's not a question anybody ever asks a man. That's right. And that's why I've used it as my last question. Nobody ever asked me. People ask me a lot of questions about my family. Um, and some they don't ask because they're, you know, embarrassed to ask or your kids are okay. Uh, but they ask it, you know, around the corner way. Like, well, how did you balance that? How did, you right. know, how did your kids feel about yeah. that? And again, they would never ask my husband that. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. And your website again is? jsgnow.com. Perfect. And everybody, please reach out, connect with Janet on social media. Her posts are absolutely amazing. And remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everybody. It's all about the questions.com. And download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 